Yeah, we'll split them up as we go. I'll share the first one. Claire will share the second one. First principle. A child's relationships and channels of communication should all be subject to parental oversight and access. Let me repeat that. A child's relationships and channels of communication should all be subject to parental oversight and access. And this is related to the the first talk that I gave on parental authority. Uh, Really, a parent has authority over their children, and that's just the way God has created it. There's no such thing as child's right to privacy from their parent. I mean, there isn't. Just a parent has that right, and not just a right, but a responsibility to be the person who is in their child's life overseeing all their relationships, all their channels of communication. Uh, Andy Crouch says in his book, The TechWise Family, that families should have no technological secrets and no place to hide them. Practically, I think this looks like trying to orient your use of technology so that it's public as much as possible. Even in our relationship, if Claire and I are with each other spending time together and we're responding to something on our phone, we'll use voice-to-text, for example. Not because we have to, but it's just kind of nice to know what the other person is doing when they kind of check out of a conversation. You know, there's just that sense of like, hey, are you still here with me? And just being aware that there's no technological secrets. Uh, everything we're doing is public. Try to, sh- uh, to shape your computer so that the, the screen is facing the rest of the room. Parents should have access to their kids' devices. Spouses should have access to each other's passwords. There should be no secrets within the family. Uh, parents have that right and that responsibility. Now, of course, this is challenging with social media. You know, kids can make fake accounts. Kids can make accounts on their other kids' devices. Um, You can't always see the direct messages. Some apps don't allow. They they intentionally circumvent this. Things like Snapchat, it just disappears. TikTok, it doesn't allow parents to come in and see. Uh, These create huge challenges. And these are one reason why we encourage parents to delay the introduction of technology and social media as much as possible. The slogan that we use is, delay is the way, right? Oh, did I take your point? Yeah, it's my point. Claire's going to repeat that <laughs> later. It's just so important. We're going to say it twice. This is another reason why trust is so important. I mean, you can't just do the rules without the time, the shared orientation, and the authority. Kids need to know that this is happening in the context of relationship. We do recommend specific uh, parental controls and apps that will allow you to Um, see what your kids are doing if you do give them uh, social media or smartphones. There are apps like Bark or Circle that allow for parental monitoring. We'll also talk about Canopy, which is an app that allows parents... uh, It it basically has a, a number of functions that include filtering inappropriate content and preventing sexting online. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, we would certainly include using the built-in functions on an, uh, an iPod, for example, that include a screen time control. There are ways to, to try to do this if you do give your kids smartphones, but again, we would just encourage delay as much as possible. Um, we miss the old days when if, some, if a friend wanted to call, uh, you know, if, when you were growing up and you wanted to call a friend, you got to go to the home phone, you got to dial the number, you got to stand there in front of everybody. Uh, and there's, there's something really good about that. You know, if somebody calls, your dad might answer first and say, why do you want to speak to my son or my daughter? And that's a good thing. You know, we want the kids' uh, communication channels to be subject to parental oversight. 
Even if that means that if your, friend, if your kid's friends want to call them, they have to call your phone. And you'll speak to the friend and you'll say, okay, here's my son. I mean, that's okay. Those are, those are good alternatives uh, that are available. So that's principle number one. Claire will explain principle number two. Yeah, so Kayla was already starting to say that. So, um, well, part of the reason then to rec we are going to recommend delaying social media and smartphones as long as possible is because the kind of full parental oversight and access that we want parents to have over their children's relationships and channels of communication are made much more difficult by social media. And so some of the apps um, that Caleb was mentioning, like Bark or Circle, are helpful, but they can't fully see into the picture. Like um, Caleb mentioned, TikTok doesn't allow these apps, these external parental control apps, any access or direct messages aren't available to be accessed. And so for that reason, we really recommend delaying the introduction of smartphones and social media as long as possible. I say at least until 16 years old, if not um, 18 or the end of high school. But the further you can push those, the introduction of smartphones and social media off, the better. Um, part of that reason is the brain development um, things that we've mentioned. The, the tween years, the 10 to 13-year-old is when all these brain changes are really peaking or happening most, and so delaying the introduction of those things. And to that end, in the guide that you all have printed out in your handout, we have several recommendations for smartphone alternatives. I recognize parents want to be able to stay in touch with their kids, and that's a big concern. Or kids want to be able to text people. But there are plenty of alternatives available that don't have the kind of unfettered access to the internet or social media apps that I think we're, as we've kind of reiterated in a lot of our talks, it's just a temptation really too powerful for kids to have in their pocket. Like giving them a smartphone that just has this unlimited access, it's just really hard for kids to resist, even more so like than adults. So I know how hard it is for me to not check my smartphone. And so just imagining that for a young teen or tween, it's very difficult. So if you ask kind of all the experts or even just counselors that work with teenagers, they will say, wait and delay as much as possible till the end of high school. And, and then the second thing I would say on that is, is don't do this alone. Like if <laughs> you have this community that we have been given the body of Christ through the church to help encourage each other in delaying the onset of these things and because of the network effects, if you're able to find like-minded parents and communities um, for your kids where other people are also delaying the introduction of these things, that does make it easier um, that the kids aren't feeling as much of the peer pressure to get on them um, as well. And so that would be um, my encouragement, as well as to say, if you know your child is on a school sports team or involved in a church youth group or these other kind of communities that they're a part of to try to encourage and ask the parents or the coaches or the people overseeing those groups to have like a no phone policy. Like everyone turns their phones in when they come to practice or they come to youth group and, and trying to get kids to put away technology and actually be present together. So trying to talk to organizers and other parents for advocating for better policies around smartphones and social media in the kind of group dynamics that your child might be a part of. Um, so I think that kind of covers it for just trying to delay the introduction of smartphones and social media. Good. Um, third principle, principle number three, parents need to both care. We're the tech experts here. <laughs> uh, principle number three, parents need to both prepare children for how to flee sexual temptation and protect them from it. 
So we've talked about this, prepare and protect, that's the way. Specifically, I would encourage you, I've mentioned, have 10 conversations. Make it your goal to have 10 conversations with your kids before they turn 10. That's not just dads with boys, that's moms with girls. We've seen this affects both boys and girls. Uh, 10 talks before 10. Um, I'd, there's a few books that you could use toward this end. We have a couple there in the back to look at. Uh, this book's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Proofing Today's Young Kids. And there's a junior version. So look for this book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's a book for parents to use with their kids to help them think about this uh, and what to do when they encounter uh, porn, pornographic images. There's principles that, that these books teach, like uh, the acronym CAN DO, close my eyes immediately, always tell a trusted adult, name it when I see it, distract myself, order my thinking, order my thinking brain to be the boss. So that's the acronym CAN DO. That's one of the principles that you'll find in a book like this. You know, give your kids analogies. Like, what would you do if you opened the bathroom door and you saw someone using the bathroom? What would you do? Uh, you, you yell, you close the door, you say you're sorry, and you know, it's okay, you, you can come and tell me. You can come and tell me, it's okay. Like, it was a, it was a mistake. But you know, immediately close your eyes, look away, uh, prepare them for what to do when they see this. Uh, one, uh, one friend of the family, their, their kids' mottos for this is, uh, we don't look at phones in my family. So I've actually heard this from a kid. I was like, oh, look at, look at this picture of my son, you know. And the kid goes, oh, we don't look at phones in my family. And that, that family's passed on the instruction to their kids that if somebody pulls out a phone and says, look at this, they say, oh, oh we don't look at phones. That's a good principle. Um, there are things that you can teach your kids like that. You know, this is especially uh, challenging when kids are out of the home and in other places. So, for example, sleepaway camps, sleepovers, school bus, areas where there isn't that built-in parental oversight. Uh, that's hugely challenging. I would encourage you, make your home the place where other people want to come for those times. So, your house is the place where sleepovers happen. Or, you know, maybe you just decide, you know, actually, we just don't do sleepovers. Uh, we have other family friends who say that. They're just like, yep, we just don't do that. You know, it's a sleepover, birthday party, I'll come pick you up at 8. Uh, nothing good happens there. That was my experience, at least. I don't know about yours. Nothing good happens there. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, other things that can happen. Um, filtering software we've mentioned. I mentioned the Griffin router. I do think that every family should think about investing in something like this. Uh, a router that prevents any device in the house from using Wi-Fi to access illicit or pornographic content. You know, if a friend comes over and he's on your Wi-Fi, you don't have to worry about it. If you have a guest who comes over to the house and brings their own device, wants the Wi-Fi password, you just don't have to worry about what they're going to access on it. Shuts down at 1 a.m. If somebody you know, sneaks a device in, don't have to worry about it. Peace of mind. Um, many of you probably know about Covenant Eyes for accountability software. That can be helpful as well. More than anything, we would just encourage you to have a rule like no phones or devices in bedrooms, especially not at night. The toxic trio is bedrooms, boredom, and darkness. Where bad things happen, you will find these three. Bedrooms, boredom, and darkness. Uh, whether you're 14 or 40, these are factors uh, for great temptation. So don't allow screens in private places at home. And then the last, uh, or I guess the fourth and fifth principles I'll cover briefly. So the fourth is that technology should always be a supplement to, not a substitute for in-person relationships. 
that's just a great framework to use when you're assessing, should we allow this use of technology or not? Like, is this gonna supplement our real life in-person relationships or is this kind of substituting for those things? And so, Andy- You state the principle again, yeah. just so people catch okay. it. Yeah, so technology should always be a supplement to, not substitute for real life in-person relationships with, I would say, a special priority and focus on our family relationships, knowing that God has given us our families as the primary place where, for formation um, of human persons. This is where we build character. And so putting a special priority on those relationships. So Andy Crouch in his book, um, TechWise Family, which we've recommended, and just so you know what it looks like, it's this nice little orange book here, the TechWise Family. It just has a lot of general principles and thinking generally about technology use in the home. But he talks about if you use screens, using them for a purpose, using them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. So kids can develop then the capacities to explore and discover that will make them less prone to being bored in the first place. And so there are simple rules that the screens are gonna stay off unless we're using it together and for a specific creative purpose, like showing them a great you know, work of cinema um, together and talking about it or playing a video game as a family together. Those are ways that screens can be used to bring real life uh, to bring enhancement and kind of fun to real life relationships. And so just following the principle that you're never trying to entertain your children, um, you know, with something that you even find unsatisfying. <laughs> and I thought that was a good principle. You're like, if I don't enjoy this really silly, stupid show, why would I think that that's like a great thing to just like hand my kid to go entertain themselves? So trying to like really think about the content as well as what you're allowing your kids to watch, um, trying to really promote the things that are good and beautiful and true and doing those things together. And so towards that end, um, Caleb touched on some of these already, but just having good boundaries that you have thought about as parents ahead of time. Like I think just being proactive then to think about, well, what boundaries do we need to set around the time and place for any screens and tech use in our home that are going to promote real life in-person relationships. So having daily screen time limits and this rhythm of separating ourselves from our phone and screens when we come home from work at the end of the day, or even just having a break one day a week, like a tech-free Saturday or Sunday. Day, um, or like Caleb mentioned earlier, like a week, a year, where you're just going to go on vacation as a family with no devices. And then the other thing, too, um, towards that end is just trying to eliminate technology from meals, knowing that the family table is a real time for connection and gathering at the end of the day. And the principle of like really physically separating yourself from screens and devices is very helpful. I think the closer it is to you, the more it is a temptation. So having some type of family phone box where you leave them is a very practical thing. As well as I'll say, I think the no phones in bedroom, I can't reiterate enough that that's probably the most important principle to take away, especially not at night. But so many parents will say, but that it's my kid's alarm clock. Their phone is their alarm clock. And my response would be to just buy them a cheap alarm clock. <laughs> I mean, like there's these things where parents are like, oh, I can't do that though, it's their alarm clock. And it's like, well, you can go to Best Buy and probably buy a cheap alarm clock for about $10. And I think that's worth it to, to have them be separated from their phones, especially for um, sleep. I, I didn't really go into this extensively, but the data on sleep deprivation among this generation is just really incredible. And the connections between then sleep and depression and anxiety, like these things kind of go together. And you heard Caleb talking about the example of binging, it can start with really like neutral stuff. They're just watching, you know, YouTube videos of cats 
but they can, you know, it just, YouTube just auto generates. And so that can really steal away from sleep at night and set up these bad habits for then, you know, falling into darker kinds of the content as well. So, um, yeah, and I would say we talked about modeling a good use of technology yourself. And so under this principle, I would say just keeping in mind that your own technology use is setting an example for your kids. So thinking about how you are separating yourself from that as well. And then the last principle is that the best protection for your child in general and online is the strength of your relationship with him or her. So there's no kind of silver bullet like, oh, you just implement these strategies and you'll avoid all these harms. But it's really that um, investing in and building into your relationship with your child the trust, um, especially when they're young, that you're going to need to spend more of in the teen years, I think is really crucial. So um, I think in Ben's talk, he talked about having boundaries, but not putting your hope in the boundaries. That's exactly what I would say. You want to put rules in place, um, but those rules are in the context of a relationship, and the relationship is actually the best protection for your kid, not the rules. And so I think the one pitfall we've seen is that parents can kind of go nuts with rules and legalism, and that's really not the best solution because as savvy as kids are, you cannot protect them from everything. Um, so you really need to train your kids and, and just plead with them, like Caleb reference from Proverbs, to trust you that you're for their good and that these things are really to harm them. And it's not that, that you don't trust your child, but you don't trust those people out there um, and that you're for them as their parent. You want to protect them. You're not trying to keep them from anything good. You're actually trying to um, protect them from harms. And so I think kids can resent um, when there are rules without relationship. And so really trying to prioritize investing in your relationship with your kids, which takes a lot of time and energy and really starts at a young age. So to parents of younger kids, I think um, what I've taken away from this is like the time I'm pouring into my two and a half year old is hopefully setting them up for more success when they reach the teenage years, um, that this is a time to really build into a relationship, um, a lot of trust for when I'm going to have to really be spending that relational capital and trust in the teen years and asking them to trust me with these rules we're putting in place for their good around technology. Um, yeah, and just be encouraged that God has really given us all the tools. I think Caleb said it, just that we have his word. Um, we have our own relationship with the Lord, and that's going to just be the greatest gift to your kids is your love for the Lord and his word and your love and relationship to them. And so keep the kind of big picture in mind with all these principles that we have God's wisdom and we have courage from the Lord to do what we need to do to train them, um, protect them, and then also prepare them to, to really enter the world. And so lastly, we'll just say the resources, if you want the more specific practical tools to employ um, with these principles, we list in pretty like great detail in the back of the handout, um, just kind of the different parental control software, hardware, and apps available, and kind of review those like Canopy, Covenant Eye, Circle, Bark, and then even the hardware of like the Griffin router is, um, is something you can see, and there's kind of some comparison charts in there that explain what they all do, and so I would encourage you if you're, um, you know, curious to employ some of those tools, as well as um, examples of the phone alternatives. Um, as we had mentioned, pushing off the, de the delaying getting a smartphone. There's actually a lot of options available for phone alternatives. And this is all available online? This is also all available online. How if you go to epbc.org, 
Um, that is where you can find like my scholar page at Claire Morell if you want to see more articles I've written. And we have a link to the parent's guide on, on the website for the, it's called the Technology and Human Flourishing Project. That's the project I oversee and that has several resources and it has a link to this parent's guide. And so I think the last thing we're going to do is give away some books that uh, are some of the things we've referenced. Start with this one. Okay, so this is the TechWise family. This is not just about social media and smartphones, but more just technology, screens, things in general. And he gives really kind of 10 principles for how to put technology in its proper place in your home. Caleb and I have been greatly helped by a lot of his wisdom and just his practical kind of principles. So anyone interested, hasn't read the TechWise family yet? Great, I'll run it out. And there are not enough books for everyone to get one, but almost everyone can get at least one book today, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, this is a new book, which we haven't gotten to read in full yet. We've just been looking through this. Um, it's published by Focus on the Family, um, a author of more than 25 books named Jonathan McKee, who speaks to parents um, on a lot of these topics. He's now written a book called Parenting Generation Screen, How to Guide Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. I'm going to read some of the, sure. if you open so the table really of contents. Sure, there's some really good stuff in here. Yeah, on... Um Here's just the, the chapter titles. They don't tell you this stuff. Everything you wish you'd known before you bought the kids their first screen. A connection before correction. How to replace overreaction with interaction. At what age? The perfect age to give your kids a screen. Mom, can I have a phone in my bedroom? The link between screen, sleep loss, depression, and what you can do about it. The unintended effects of social media. The thing about screen time. I see you. How to recognize predatory behaviors. Where parental controls matter. When they break the rules putting it into practice, time for pizza, sharing your plan for becoming a screen-wise family. So great stuff in here. Yeah, this just came out in 2021. So it's more updated than the TechWise family, which was published in 2017. This has a lot more on the social media smartphone kind of challenges. Who would like it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Enjoy. Um, the next one is called Screen Kids, Five Relational Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World. And this is by, you guys have probably heard of the book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. This is by him and Arlene Pelican. Um, and it says, in this digital age, children spend more time absorbed in screens, less time playing outside or enjoying family. With Screen Kids, you'll become empowered to help make positive changes in your children's lives. Discover how to take back your home from an over-dependence on screens and learn to teach skills that every child needs to master. Affection, appreciation, anger management, apology, and attention. It says it also includes some interactive assessments um, so you can best confront technology issues in your home. Great book for teenagers, yeah. Absolutely. All right, now the last two books we have are actually for kids, but um, these are things to go through with your children. So good pictures, bad pictures. The age range for this, they say ideally, is ages 6 to 11. They also have a version of this that's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior for kids ages 3 to 7. But this is a great, it's a great book. It has very practical, that kind of acronym Caleb did of can do and how to train your kids to how to respond when they come across a bad picture. And then this one is really like a children's book. It's called Polly and the Screen Time Overload. It came out by Crossway and TGC Kids. We haven't like extensively read this, but our pastor's wife, Connie Dever, was recommending this to us, and she sent us on, on this trip kids with this book. book. 
Anybody who hasn't gotten one yet? Otherwise, great. Perfect. Hey, and enough of you are at the same church. You could get together yeah, again. Yeah, you could do some swap, books, do a book group. Do a swap, do a book group. Read through it together. The last thing I'll say, and these websites are listed again in this guide, um, but I think the best website I've found just for the most up-to-date kind of information is called Protect Young Eyes. They also, for those of you who are on social media, have an Instagram account where he will po frequently post little update kind of bite-sized information and blog posts and other things like that of just the kind of latest things to be aware of. Um, and they do a whole app review. They extensively reviewed the Griffin router and some of these other parental control apps as well. So I would just recommend checking out their website, particularly if you have specific questions about some app your kid comes to you with or different things like that. If you search their website, they've really extensively kind of covered all the kind of apps or social media things your kids could come across and with really good principles. We've borrowed a lot of their language, like delay is the way and the toxic trio 10 before 10 are all things that they've put out that have been really helpful for parents. Great. We've got time now for questions, I think. Cal, you want to come on up or do you want us to just take...